Hi, everyone. It's time for another two adventures from the Tales of the Texas Rangers here at 1001 Stories of the Old West. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called The Iceman. It is 3 a.m. on September 17, 1948. In a farmhouse nine miles north of Rayner, Texas, Helen Dreyer wakes from a sound sleep, raises herself on her elbow, and listens for a moment. Then she leans across and taps her husband urgently on the shoulder. Wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll get up. What's the matter? Somebody downstairs. Hmm? I don't hear nothing. reached the Dreyer farmhouse 20 minutes after the departure of the intruder. He found Mrs. Dreyer in a state of hysteria and sent her upstairs with her husband. After a cursory investigation, he immediately contacted the Texas Rangers and requested assistance. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned, arriving on the scene at 4.25 a.m. The sheriff led him directly to the kitchen. Hey, you see what I mean, Jace? Yeah, I'm glad you called us, Sheriff. Looks like it might be the one we've been after a long time. I kind of figured it was. Way he broke into the kitchen and raided the icebox first. <laughs> I can't get over that. Eating the family's food before he tackles a job. He's pretty cool. It's one of the things that's made him so hard to catch. Let's see if he's left another one of his trademarks. You looking for anything special, Jace? I've found it. What is it? Method he uses to trip the latch on the screen door. Pushes an ice pick through the screen. Does he always carry that ice pick with him? As far as we know, he does. Cap Stinson over at headquarters calls him the Ice Man. Well, Ice Man or no, I sure don't relish having him in my county. Afraid you have him around town for one more night, anyhow. Well, I would make you say that. It's part of his M.O. Always hits two nights in a row in the same area. Uh... Pick's house is pretty far from town, and the second place is always on the opposite side of town from the one he worked the night before. Uh, shouldn't be hard to nab him, then. That's what we've thought for over a year now. We even know a couple of other interesting things about him. 
He never enters a house where there's a dog, and he wears gloves on the job. And even knowing this, we haven't been able to catch him. So you haven't been getting any fingerprints on him then, huh? No. I sure wish somebody'd at least get a look at him. Mm. We've learned a lot about him since he's been operating, but we still don't have any idea what he looks like. Well, maybe the dryers can tell us something. She ought to be feeling better by now. In just a second. What's this on the floor? Can you have a piece of paper handy I can use to sweep some of it up? Well, here's a sheet out of my notebook. That'd do the trick. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah, I thought so. What is it, Jason? I smell it. I'd say it was snuff. So would I. Mr. Dreyer use it? Nope. Ted smokes cigars. It looks like we've just discovered another one of the Iceman's habits. And every time we do, we get just a little bit closer to catching him. I sure hope you're right. Let's go up and see if the Dreyers can tell us anything. Mm-hmm. Miss Dreyer was right jumpy when I got here. Not much wonder, either. She was the one first heard him moving around in the kitchen. How much money to get here? Over eighty dollars. Ted had just been to the bank. All right, if the ranger and me come in. Sure, come on in, sheriff. Find anything to help you? No, we think so. Uh, how are you feeling now, Miss Dreyer? Oh, it's still a little shaky. I don't think I'll ever sleep again tonight. The way he came right into this room. Now, honey, honey, it's all over. I know, but I'm still so scared. Sure, yeah, sure. Don't you and a sheriff want to sit down, Ranger? Uh, no, thanks. We'll just be a few minutes more. Well, I've been thinking since it happened, maybe I did wrong not trying to stop him. You're lucky you didn't, Mr. Dreyer. A couple of people have tried. He's pretty handy with an ice pick he carries. Oh. Has he killed anybody? No, but he's come close. When he gets cornered, he's like a weasel. You seem to know a lot about this fella. We never laid eyes on him. Well, then how That's did... not hard, Ted. Our man's been operating for over a year in different parts of Texas, and the ranger's got a good idea of his M.O. M.O.? Modus operandi. It's the pattern habitual criminals follow on a job. Uh-huh. Almost like a signature. But what we really need is some description of the man himself. I wish we could help you, but it was right dark in our room, and he didn't use a flashlight. Well, I saw his shadow when he crossed in front of the window. So did I, honey, but that's not what the ranger wants. Yeah, we appreciate you trying, anyhow. What do you figure we ought to do next, Chase? Be light in a few minutes. We'll see if there are any tracks to follow outside. We won't stand much chance of catching up with him this late. I know, but we might get a line on something almost as important. The direction he took when he left here. As soon as it was light enough for trailing, we went outside. Back of the house, we found a spot where the thief had rested on the ground prior to the burglary. Near the front door, we discovered tracks leading southeast across the fields. I unloaded charcoal from the trailer, and the sheriff borrowed a horse from Mr. Dreyer. Tracks were easy to follow. After about three miles, we pulled up. Ooh, ooh, charcoal. Ooh, ooh, boy. Yeah. What do you make of that, Jason? Looks like he stopped to rest again. The way the brush is crushed, I'd say he'd spent quite a while here. Yeah, and I don't figure. Why would a man who just broke into a house stop so close to the place he robbed? Could have been waiting for something. How far is the main highway from here? Pretty close, just over that ride. We'll see if the tracks lead there. Get up, Come on, boy. If you're right about his waiting for something, it could be he's got a partner with the car. Meets him on the highway at some special time. Maybe, but our Iceman strikes me more as the type who'd work alone. Tracks look like they're going to lead right on to the highway, Jace. Suppose they do. Where do we go from there? Yeah, see if he crossed the road. If he did, might give us some indication of where he was heading. And if he didn't? That's something we'll have to try and figure out. Oh, oh, Charky. Oh. Yeah, the tracks stop at the highway, all right. Uh-huh. Take a look over here. Well, Jace, it's a snuff box. Looks like it's been run over by a car. Uh-huh, or something heavier. Sheriff, we just might have the answer to one of the biggest problems about our man. What's that? Transportation. How he gets back into town after a job. I don't follow you, Jay. Come on back here. And these marks in the gravel. Yeah? What do they look like to you? Well, they could be tire marks. From dual wheels. Double spurt of gravel where they started off. And up there where the snuff box was, you can see where the front wheels turned. You figure he might have been picked up by a truck? Mm, it's a little too long for a truck. Could have been one of those big trailer jobs. Yeah, then the rear wheels wouldn't have traction. No, I got a hunch it was a bus that picked our friend up. Well, there is a bus due in town from this direction at 4.50. And make it pass here around 4.30. Just right for the Iceman to make it. 
You mean he might plan his jobs around bus schedules? It's possible. Reckon we'd better try to locate the driver who brought in that bus. That shouldn't be too hard. Drivers all change at Rainer. And we're going to get into town. See if he remembers picking up a passenger at this spot. Hey, Jace, we could really be on to something. We've got a few other angles to check before we're sure. But if they pan out, we've got just one more detail in the Iceman's M.O. And this might be the one that trips him up. We reached the Continental Trailways bus depot at 8 that morning and located the driver who had brought in the 450 bus. He remembered picking up a single passenger eight miles from Rainer, but was unable to describe him. I left the sheriff in the depot restaurant and called Austin. Twenty minutes later, I had the information I needed. I joined the sheriff at the restaurant counter. Grab a seat, Jason. I ordered you some eggs and coffee. Told the girl to keep them hot till you got here. Oh, thanks. Hey, miss, you, you can bring the ranger's order now. Find out anything from Austin? Plenty. Every job the Iceman's pulled has been at a time and place where he could have used a bus to get back to town. Hey, then we are onto something. Yeah, and we're going to try to take advantage of it tonight. Thanks, miss. Uh, Jace, how do you figure to work it? According to Iceman's M.O., he'll pick a house south of Rainer tonight. We can be sure it'll be somewhere not too far from the main highway into town. You reckon we can get him when he tries to board the inbound bus? We're going to try. I checked the schedule. The early morning bus from the south gets to Rainer at 5.06. We'll be tailing it all the way in. Sounds like it might work. How far out do you want to pick it up? Mm, Fifteen miles ought to do it. But we'll make it 20 just to be safe. 20 miles. We'll have to be out on the highway at 4. I reckon we ought to leave here about 3. Uh-huh. You better go catch a few hours sleep now, Sheriff. I don't think we'll get much tonight. At three the next morning, the sheriff and I drove south on the highway out of Rainer. It was still dark when we picked up the inbound bus at 4.17 a.m. We tailed it for five miles without seeing anyone. Ten miles from town and still no results. The seven-mile mark, the sheriff leaned forward in his seat. Hey, Jace. Yeah? Can you get a little further over to the right? You think you see somebody? I'm not sure. How about now? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, up at the top of the next hill. The bus headlights just caught him standing at the side of the road there. Hold on, Sheriff. We're going around the bus. Then we're going to roll. You see him now? Yeah. Stay on your toes in case he makes a break when we stop. Right, Jason. If you get close to him, watch out for that ice pick. I'll try not to get that close. Get ready. Well, can you beat that? A woman. I ought to kick myself. She had me fooled, too. There ought to be some kind of law against women wearing slacks. Reckon she works in the aircraft plant. Now we'll let the bus pass us again. He might still be between here and town. What do we do if we don't spot him? Uh, turn around, come out again. There's another bus due at 9.03. We'll pick it up at the same place and tail it. He's got to be around here somewhere, and we're going to find him. The bus we were following picked up no more passengers on the way to town. We repeated the procedure with a 9.03 bus. Still no results. A little before 10 that morning, the sheriff and I walked into his office. I swear I don't understand it, Jace. I just don't understand it. How come he didn't show up? It beats me, Sheriff. For a year or more, a man operates a certain way. Picks off two houses and two consecutive nights. I don't know. Maybe I was all wrong about that bus routine. No, I don't think so. Once you figure his pattern, it's laid out too clear. Couldn't be only coincidence about his robbing houses near the main highway just an hour or so before a bus passes. Mm, I guess not. But if taking a bus into town is part of his ammo, where was he? No robbery recorded last night. Could be he decided to lay low for a night or two. That doesn't figure either. He wasn't scared the night before. Made an $80 haul from the dryers and never even knew they were awake. Mm. Looks like he might have cleared out. What are your plans now, Jace? I reckon I'd better start back to headquarters. Cap says he's got enough work lined up to keep me busy a month. Well, I'm sure sorry it didn't pan out. I sort of had my heart set on helping to haul in that little weasel. Well, keep in touch with us, Sheriff. If you hear anything, give us a yell. I sure will, Jason. Thanks for everything. So long, Sheriff. Sheriff home. Yeah? What? Yeah, but wait a minute. Jace! Oh, Jace! You call me, Sheriff? Yeah, come here. All right, now give me that again. I see. Sure. Okay, we'll handle it. So long. What's up? Reckon Captain Stinson will have to get along without you for another day. I don't think you'll want to leave now, anyhow. Why not? Our man did hit last night. 
Robbed an old fellow named Earl Sweezy, ten miles south of town. Well, I guess I was wrong about that bus routine after all. Maybe. But I got an idea last night with something new for your ice man. He stole the old man's car, used it for his getaway. I wonder what made him break his M.O. like that. I reckon he had to get away fast. How do you mean? He stabbed old man Sweezy with his ice pick. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, The Iceman. We left immediately for Earl Sweezy's farmhouse. On the way, the sheriff told me as much of the stories he'd heard over the phone. The old man had surprised the intruder and struggled with him before he was stabbed twice in the shoulder. When we pulled up to the house, the doctor was just leaving. He informed us that Mr. Sweezy was not badly hurt and was waiting for us. Sheriff, come in, come in. You too, Ranger. Thanks, Mr. Sweezy. Hey, Earl, you shouldn't be walking around with that bad shoulder. Now, Sheriff, don't you be talking like that, Doctor. Telling me to stay in bed. He'd be bored to death staying in bed. The doc said you did lose some blood. And I've got a lot more. Takes more than an ice pick to be letting all the blood out of old Earl Sweezy. We'd like to ask you a few questions about what happened last night. And I expect you'd be wanting to hear the whole thing just the way it occurred. Now, come into the kitchen with me. I want to show you just the way things was when I surprised you. Oh, we can stay right here for now, Mr. Sweezy. I think you'd be more comfortable. Now, don't be spoiling the excitement for me, Ranger. I've been looking forward to telling you about this ever since you let me know you was on your way out. Will you be coming with me? You fought with the burglar in the kitchen? That I did. I was up in my bed, sleeping sound as you please, when I heard the rattling and shuffling down here. What time was this, Mr. Sweezy? Uh, now, I wouldn't be knowing exactly, Ranger, but... I had a feeling it was sometime after, oh, three or four o'clock. Uh-huh. Ah, here we are. I've left everything the way it was, except that I've cleaned up the little bit of blood there was on the floor there. Hey, you put up quite a fight at that, didn't you, Earl? I'm proud to say I did. And if it hadn't been for that ice pick he was so fond of wielding, it would have been a different story altogether. Uh, what happened after you heard him down here, Mr. Sweezy? Uh, oh, yes, well, um, I come down the stairs easy-like. Yeah. And when I got to the kitchen door... What do you suppose I seen this fellow doing? He was probably eating. Ah, somebody already told you about it. No, Mr. Sweezy. That's the way this man operates. Breaks into a house, eats, and then takes whatever money he can find. Is that so now? Hmm. Well, well, I'll be quick about telling you the rest, stranger. I could just make out this fellow sitting at the table eating. Mm-hmm. I give a good run and a jump, and before you know it, we was fighting like two wild cats, and then he put this ice pick in my shoulder. Next thing you remember, I come to, and it was bright daylight... I got up and I made it over to Hank Lauer's farm. Don't you have a phone here, Earl? Never felt the need of one till now, Sheriff. Did you get a look at the man while you were fighting? Well, now, Ranger, that's hard to say. I, 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 I seen him and I didn't, what with this being so dark and all. Well, could you describe him? Well, the most I could say is about the size of him. He, he was about my height and quick, quick. Oh, he was quick as a scared rat. Oh, there's something else I forgot. What's that, Mr. Sweezy? The eyes of him, the eyes. I expect that was the only part of his face I really seen... Mean eyes. Looked at you the way a bobcat does when you get him cornered. Uh-huh. You think you'd be able to identify him if you saw him? Uh, as I said, I, I seen him and I didn't. But I'm thinking I could identify him. We heard in town he stole your car. Is that true? It is. And I'm glad you asked me, Ranger. I was almost forgetting to give you the license number. Yeah, I, I, I got it right out for you. Thanks. Well, that'll be all for now. And you better take it easy for a while with that shoulder. Oh, don't be worrying about me. I'll be ready whenever you need me again. I hope that'll be soon, Mr. Sweezy. We put out a tracer on Mr. Sweezy's car. Around noon of the third day, the car was found covered with brush off a small dirt road near Route 190. We were checking the area when I received a radio call. KTXA to Unit 10. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead, KTXA. Iceman has been located through the standard M.O. check in town of Delaney. Reported breaking and entering during early hours this morning. Delaney, that, that's 50 miles north of here. Uh-huh. 10-4. Does KTXA know exact location of crime with reference to center of Delaney? House belongs to a Brian Edwards. Location 12 miles east of town. 10-4. This unit will proceed immediately to Delaney. Unit 10, clear. 10-4. KTXA, Austin. He's already hit east of town. Should be west for his second strike. Want to tail a bus again tonight, Sheriff? If it means another crack at this ice, man, you just try and stop me. Let's get rolling, Jace. 
Delaney, we checked the bus schedules and learned there was a Continental Trailways local inbound from the west at 4.57. By 4, we'd intercepted the bus and started tailing it toward town. At 4.25, we spotted a man standing at the side of the road a quarter mile ahead of the bus. We passed the bus and pulled up ten yards from the man, keeping him in our headlights. He made no attempt to run as we got out of the car. I saw him throw something over in the brush, Jake. Yeah. Stay where you are, mister. We want to talk to you. Our bus is coming. I got to get in town. Wave the bus on, Sheriff. Sure. Look, what you doing? I got to get on that bus. We'll give you a ride into town. Well, you've got no right to do this. What's your name? Joe Tag. Where do you live? I don't have to tell you nothing. I asked you where you live. I want an answer. Dallas. What are you doing out here tonight? Maybe I've been visiting a friend. Your friend have a name? Look, you've got no business asking me questions like this. Risk him, Sheriff. Yeah. You keep your hands off me. Shut up. Well, looks like the beginning of pay dirt, Jace. Box of snuff, wallet full of money, and a pair of cotton gloves. I want to use these gloves for... My gloves? Got a right to use them any way I want. You ought to learn the law a little better. Now, suppose you go get that ice pick you just threw away. I don't know what you're talking about. See if you can find it, Sheriff. I'll find it if it's the last thing I do. Now, look, how long are you going to stand out here asking me questions? Until we're finished? Where were you tonight? Told you before. Visit my friend. Who? Maybe I can't tell you. Maybe she got a husband. Jace? Find it? Yeah. Sharp and shiny. Mm. Here. How many houses you break into with this, Tagger? I never saw that before. I don't think I'd claim it either if I'd stabbed as many people with it as you have. You wasting your time. You promised me a ride into town. Am I going to get it? Yeah, but not to the town you think. You're going to get a ride a long way back to a town called Rainer. We arrived in Rainer around 10 that morning. We locked Tagger in the county jail and contacted Mr. Sweezy. We told him we wanted him to make an identification and arranged to have a special show up in the cell block. Tagger and five other men were to be presented to him in the hope that he could identify the man who'd entered his house. Come on in. Got the six of them over there in one cell. Fine. This will be far enough, Mr. Sweezy. Wait here while the sheriff brings the men out. Yeah, I'll have them out for you in a second. Ranger, if I'm not able to identify this man, do you have enough on him to send him away anyhow? Maybe. But without identification, a good lawyer could get him off. All right. Ollie, come on out of there. Come on and stop talking. Now form a straight line in front of the cell. Get moving, all of you. We'll get a little closer now, Mr. Sweezy. Any of these men look familiar to you? Uh, I'm not able to say for certain, Ranger. Just take your time. Mm. That one. Start from the left. That might be him. You. No, the next man. Step out. How about it, Mr. Sweezy? Uh, maybe if he was to talk. Anything special you want to hear him say? Maybe if he was to say, I'll get you. That's what he said when we was fighting. We hear you say, I'll get you. Look, what is this? Say it. I'll get you. Mm-hmm. Maybe if he was to whisper, that's the way he says when I heard him. Whisper those same words. I don't know how. You heard the ranger whisper. I'll get you. Mr. Sweezy? Ranger, I can't be sure. I, I, I just wouldn't want to be safe. Well, thanks anyhow. Sheriff? Look, wait a minute. What is it? I was just remembering. In the fight the other night, just before he put the ice pick in my shoulder, I had a hold of him and I scratched the back of his neck. Are you sure? And wasn't I almost forgetting? If that's the man, he'll have a mark of my fingernails across the scruff of his neck. All right, you. Turn around. Look, what are you trying to do? Turn around. You can't make me do nothing out of water. Ranger, it is him. That look he got in his eyes just then. I know them eyes any place. It's him for sure. Well, you do the other day. I'll kill him. Come on. Just get out of you. Let's get back in that cell. I do it. I said in the cell. You can't put me in it. I lock it, Sheriff. Yeah. I'll get out. I'll get out. I'll kill him. I'll kill all you want, Tagger. It's going to take more than an ice pick to get through that door. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Hello, friends. This is Jack Parr. 
I'll be with you later this evening with the $64 question, but right now I'd like to remind you about some of the other great shows this evening on the NBC Radio Network. In just a few minutes, you'll hear the big show with Tallulah Bankhead and a big array of guest stars. And, of course, Meredith Wilson will be on hand to direct the big show orchestra and chorus. You will hear 90 minutes of scintillating comedy and music today on the big show. And then, right after the big show, stick around for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show with Frankie Remley, Julius Abruzio, Brother William, and the entire Harris household. It's a program that's sure to please you. Later today, Theater Guild on the Air will bring you stars from Hollywood and Broadway in an exciting Broadway play. And right after Theater Guild on the Air, I'll be back with a pocket full of money and the $64 question. I'll be talking to a lot of contestants tonight, and maybe you will hear one of your neighbors. So why not stay tuned right now to the NBC for a whole evening of great entertainment. I'll be looking for you in our radio audience tonight. And now, let's get back to the tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. On November 17, 1948, George Tagger was tried in the Rayner County Court on dual charges of felonious assault and burglary. He was convicted and sentenced to 23 years in Huntsville Penitentiary. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Dream Farm. It is 7.40 p.m., June 12, 1941. On a deserted stretch of highway through a thinly populated area of Texas, a sedan pushes to the southwest, towing behind it a small, heavily loaded two-wheeled trailer. In the front seat of the car, there are three people, a man, his wife, and their 12-year-old son. Don't seem to be much in the way of people out here. Wide open country, all right. I think we're going to like it here, Ethel. Oh, I hope so. You just wait and see, why, last month when I was out here to close the deal, I swear I just wanted to start plowing right off. I got a feeling this farm's going to be lucky for us. Well, I just hope we can make a go of it, that's all. Now, Ethel, we've been all through that. I know, John. But you can't blame me for being a little worried. After all, we spent our lives in Iowa. Here we are moving to a strange place where we don't know a soul. Well, we'll make friends soon enough. Texans are nice people, real friendly, you'll see. Pa, I'm hungry. <laughs> Well, that's one thing that ain't changed much from Iowa to Texas. Yeah. We ought to be coming to a town soon, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, a town called Coronaville, not too far from here. We'll find a restaurant pretty soon, Bobby. Just hold on a while longer. Are you going to keep driving all night, Pa? Well, I figure it might be best. Rather get to the farm in the morning so as we can move in the daylight. Can I sleep on the back seat tonight? <laughs> sure you can. Hey, what's that? What? There's some fella signaling up ahead. Why, yes, there is someone. Now, what do you suppose? Looks like he's having car trouble. You're not going to stop. Well, sure, why not? Will you look at that rear wheel? Gee, that must have been some blowout. You need some help? Yeah. John, I'd just assume you kept going. Now, Ethel, where's your Texas hospitality? Sure, it's all right, Ma. How about a ride in the next gas station? Sure, glad to take you. Get in the back. Never mind that. What? Yeah. What'd you say? You heard me. Get out of the car, Holly. Hey, that a real gun? Bobby, be quiet. Yeah, Bobby, be quiet. You won't get hurt. All right, out you go. 
No, no, no. Get out on this side, you. Well, we're getting out. Be careful with that thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll be real careful. What are you going to do? Shut up. You. Empty out your pockets. Me? I'm talking to no one else. Well, I... I, I don't get you, mister. I... What are you going to do with us? Ain't you figured it out yet? Come on, lady, give me a purse. <laughs> now, you. Throw everything you got in your pockets on the front seat. Hurry it up. John, do what he tells you. Well, I... I... Yeah, that's more like it. All right, now back away from the car. You're just leaving us out here? What do you think? You ain't going nowhere with my car. John, be quiet. I won't. Everything we got in the world's in there. Be quiet, John, please. Yeah, yeah, do what the lady tells you. I'll show you what I'll do. You can't get away with you this crazy boy. I'm taking our car with you. You should listen to him. He shot my father. You shouldn't have shot him. You didn't have to kill him. You didn't have to kill him. I said he should have listened. Now I gotta kill you too. No, please. At 1.20 the following morning, the three bodies were discovered by a state highway patrolman. The two adults were dead, but the boy, although unconscious, was still alive. He was rushed to the hospital in Coronaville, and Sheriff King of Corona County was notified. The sheriff requested aid from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Is that you, Jace? Yes, Sheriff. Oh, I don't mind telling you. I'm glad to see you. It's a bad one. Yeah, I heard. Where are they? Oh, come on. I'll show you. J.P. been out yet? Yeah, he ought to be along soon. Well, there they are, Jase. Not very pretty. No, never is. You been over the area yet? Yeah, didn't find much. Went over the car for prints. Looks like there might be a couple of good ones there. Well, our lab crew will be out pretty soon. They'll check them. Uh, hold your flash on the body, Sheriff. I want to have a look. How's that? Okay. Burns on the clothing. He was shot from pretty close up. Yeah, same with the woman, Jase. The boy, too. You talked to him yet? The boy? Last I heard, he was still unconscious. Well, is he going to be all right? It's hard to tell you. Doc says he may come through okay. Mm, it's a tough break for the kid. These his folks? Yeah, I reckon they are. Well, aren't you sure? Not exactly. Hospital found this wallet in the boy's pocket, but these two had nothing on him. No papers, driver's license, nothing. No money either, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. Let's see what you got from the kid. A library card from Clinton, Iowa, made out to Robert Elwood. And here's a card from the Boy Scouts, Troop 47, Clinton, Iowa, made out to Robert Elwood. I already notified the Clinton police, Jase. They're trying to find out if the boy was traveling with his folks. Mm-hmm. What about this car, Sheriff? I notice it's got Texas plates. Yeah. It's on the hot car list. Stolen night before last in Rhineville. Killer could have taken their car when this one broke down. Rhineville, you said? Mm-hmm. Up north. Figured the killer's heading south, Jase? Up to this point, he was. I think I'll go into town, Sheriff. The boy's conscious. I want to talk to him. I to talk to him myself. I'll go along. On the way to the hospital, Austin radioed that the murder victims were probably the Elwoods. The Clinton police had learned from a former neighbor that the family was moving to Texas. The Iowa Division of Motor Vehicle Registration supplied the make and license number of the Elwood car and trailer. We relayed this information to all Texas law enforcement agencies. It was 3.40 a.m. when the sheriff and I arrived at the hospital. Robert Elwood was out of his coma, but was still very weak. Robert, we want to ask you some questions. This is Sheriff King, and I'm Ranger Pearson. Texas Ranger? That's right. Tell me, son, do you remember what happened last night? Yeah. Man killed my pa. Where's Ma? I want to see her. Well, you can't right now, Robert. Why? I want to talk to her. Can you, can you tell us what happened, son? He had a gun... He bought take everything out of his pocket. Then he was going to take the car. Pa tried to stop him. Was it just one man? Uh-huh. You think you'd know him if you ever saw him again? I think so. Was he a tall man? Oh, he was about as tall as Pa. 
He'd be about 5'8", Jason. How about his hair, Robert? What color was it? It was dark. Kept falling apart his eyes. Did you notice anything different about him? Any scars or anything like that? No. I don't remember any. Do you remember what he was wearing? Uh-uh. Well, there's just one more thing, Robert. What about his voice? Was it high or low? I don't know. Kind of in between. He was real mean. I love my mom. I love my mom. I reported Robert Elwood's description of the killer to headquarters and then turned in for some sleep. Two hours later, a phone call from Austin woke me up. The Elwood car had been found abandoned on Highway 346 near Burton, Texas, about 100 miles away. Sheriff and I were there by 845. Patrolman Hartnett reported that when he'd found the car at about 7, it was out of gas. The trailer was missing. We started checking. I think I'll take a look through the glove compartment. What do you suppose he did with that trailer, Jason? Uh, must have been slowing him down, so he unhitched it. I expect it'll turn up in the brush somewhere between here and Coronaville. Yeah, I reckon so. That patrolman said when he found the car, the motor was still warm. Yeah, killer must have left it around 6.30, maybe a little later. Yeah, he's only a couple hours ahead of us then. Hmm. Find something? Yeah. A bank book from the state bank in Clinton. Account was closed just four days ago on the 9th. Six hundred eight dollars and forty cents. Hmm. Figure Elwood had the money with him? I know he had it with him. And the killer's probably got it. Hey, look at this slip. It was stuck in the bank book. Yeah. List of numbers. Serial numbers. Record of traveler's checks. It's supposed to be filled out and kept in a safe place in case any of the checks are lost. Hey, he had ten fifties. Five hundred dollars. Yeah, but you can see where he's checked off the top two numbers. Elwood would probably cash those checks himself. Yeah. And the killer's still got $400 worth. Mm. Jace, you don't think he'd take a chance and try to cash him? He might. $400. It's enough to tempt a man who'd shoot three people in cold blood. But he'd have to sign Elwood's name when he cashed him. Match the signatures already on the checks. Well, might even need identification. He's got identification. Don't forget the killer took Elwood's wallet. As for the signatures, well, a lot of people can be fooled. Yeah. One thing's certain. If he's going to cash him at all, he'll try to do it in a hurry. He's not going to hang on to him any longer than he has to. Then you reckon he's already got rid of him? I don't think so. He hasn't had much of a chance. Why not? He could have cashed him anywhere between here and Coronaville. He'd have a hard time cashing $400 worth of checks in an all-night restaurant. Bank's his best bet. Yeah, but what bank? There'll be 50 of them in this county, open them in five minutes. If he left here at about 6.30 and got into Burton around 7, he might just wait for the banks to open there. We better get to Burton. And fast. There were two banks in Burton. At approximately 9.10, I dropped the sheriff at the Burton National and headed for the Burton Loan and Savings Bank a block away. The cashier there told me the checks hadn't come in, so I left instructions for him to contact me if any turned up. And I went back to the Burton National for the sheriff. Sheriff? Hey, Chase, come here. Find anything? I sure did. It was a mighty good hunch you had. Checks turn up? Cashier's getting them for me now. She says a fellow came in at 9 o'clock as soon as the door opened. He had the checks, all right, all $400 worth. Could she give you a description of the man? Description? She knows him. Fellow named Al Walker says we can find him at the sales barn a couple of blocks away. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Every minute of every day, someone, somewhere, calls on the Red Cross for help. Last July, the nation's most devastating flood since 1937 smashed through four Midwestern states. Property damage in Kansas and Missouri alone exceeded $1 billion. Tens of thousands were made homeless. When the floods came, the Red Cross was ready with rescue teams and first aid stations. For the homeless, the Red Cross set up shelters and feeding points. But the biggest job came when the waters receded. Then began the rebuilding and repairing of homes, the rehabilitation of broken lives. The total cost of relief in this operation was almost $14 million. This was only one of the 300 domestic disasters 
in which the Red Cross gave aid last year. To answer the call when help is needed again this year, the Red Cross needs your support. Give and give generously to the 1952 Red Cross Fund campaign. And now back to tonight's adventure with the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Dream Farm. We found Al Walker at the sales barn a couple of blocks away. Sign over the entrance read Al Walker, proprietor. There was no loft and all the feed was neatly stacked at one end of the building. A small glassed-in office was at the other end. Walker was watering a couple of horses in the corral at the rear. Howdy, gents. Be right with you. All right. Blonde hair, Sheriff. He doesn't fit the description Robert Elwood gave us. Oh, but he had the checks. And he was in an all-fired hurry to cash them. Mm, might be best not to mention the killing, Sheriff. Well, that's what I was thinking. Now then, gents. You're Al Walker? That's me, all right. Can I help you? You can answer some questions. All right. This is Sheriff King. I'm Ranger Pearson. Oh, right pleased to meet you. Come on in the office, James. What kind of questions? You cashed some traveler's checks at the Burton National Bank a little while ago. Yeah, that's right. $400 worth. Something wrong? Where'd you get them? Oh, a fellow brought them in this morning. He come in about 8 o'clock, just as I was opening up. Have a seat, Ranger, Sheriff. No, thanks. Did he say his name was John Elwood? Well, yeah, that's what he said. Can you describe the man, Mr. Walker? Well, I reckon so. He's a big fella. Big? About your height, anyway. He's kind of heavy, too. What color was his hair? Oh, he had a... Well, let me see now. He had light hair. Would you say it was as light as yours? Yeah. Come to think of it, it was. Uh-huh. What time did you say he came in, Mr. Walker? Just about eight. You always open that early? Oh, I generally open at 6. Sell a lot of feed to the farmers around here, and they do business pretty early. Went to a lodge meeting last night, though I was out of town. I stayed out late, so I kind of overslept this morning. What time do you leave here? Oh, it was uh, 8.30 or so. I closed up about 20 minutes later so as I could go down to the bank and cash the checks. He was here about a half an hour then? That's right. it take you that long to cash the checks for him? Uh-huh. Well, he, he bought something. He come in here to buy a horse. Keep a little stock, you know. Sold him a saddle and bridle, too. What did his bill come to? It was uh, $150. You got a record of the sale, Mr. Walker? Well, uh, no. No, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't have time to end it in my book. What about the rest of the checks? Well, after he paid me for the stuff he bought, he asked me to cash them other checks. I give him 215 cash. You had that much cash at 8 o'clock in the morning? No, I always keep a few hundred dollars overnight on account of opening up before the bank does. Mr. Walker, did he sign those checks in front of you? Well, uh, well sure, he, he signed them in front of me. Uh-huh. Let me see the checks, Sheriff. Yeah. Here you are, Jase. See the two signatures on this check, Mr. Walker? Yeah. They don't match very well. They don't? What's wrong with them? I'll take a look. You see the difference here and here? Well, they look all right to me. I couldn't tell the difference. You mean it ain't... It ain't his right signature? The checks were stolen, Mr. Walker. This isn't John Elwood's signature at all. Stolen? How tall did you say that fellow was? What? Oh, he, he was a big fellow. Well, how big? I don't know. He's six feet, maybe taller. You mean these checks are no good? I ain't gonna lose my $400, am I? Reckon you will unless we catch up with the fellow who's got it. What color hair did you say he had? It was light-colored, blonde. How was I to know they were stolen? You should have checked the signatures. He did sign them in front of you, you said. Well, yeah, yeah, sure he did. Oh, excuse me, Ranger. Hello, Walkers. What? Well, yeah, yeah, he's here. Just a minute. It's for you, Ranger. Pearson speaking. What time did they come in? All right, we'll be right over. Thanks. Mr. Walker, we'll have to pick up our conversation a little later. You stick around. Well, sure, I ain't going nowhere. Come on, Sheriff. What's up, Jase? It's the highway patrol. Austin identified a fingerprint from the car found at the scene of the killing. Yeah? Whose was it? A fellow named Sam Bradley. He got his mug shots at the patrol office. Bradley's description fit the one given us by Robert Elwood. 
set of photographs had already been sent to the sheriff's office in Coronaville, and a deputy took them to Young Elwood at the hospital for positive identification. Short time later, at the highway patrol office, I telephoned the boy. Yeah, Ranger, I got the picture right here, right in front of me. All right, Robert. Do you recognize any of the men in the pictures? Yeah, this is the man who did it. This is the man who killed Paul. Which one is it, Robert? This one. The name on the back, it says Sam Bradley. Thanks, Robert. You've been a big help. What do you say? Bradley, all right. The boy picked his picture out of half a dozen the deputy brought up to the hospital. Well, that settles it then, but what about Walker? The description he gave us sure doesn't fit Bradley. Chase, you know he was lying. Yeah, but I can't figure out why. His only stake in this is $400 worth of traveler's checks. He tried to cash them openly, so it's a cinch he figured they wouldn't bounce. I don't think he knew they were stolen. Maybe not, Jace, but he knew the man who gave him the checks wasn't John Elwood. Now, why did he lie about that? Just as puzzled as you are. Come on. Yeah, where are you going now, Jace? Out to Walker's. I still want a written statement from him. Want to bring him back here? Uh-huh. Well, I reckon I'll mosey around town in the meantime. Maybe I can find someone who saw Bradley go into Walker's barn. Good idea. I'll meet you back here. I want to see if Walker's going to stick to his story. When I got to Walker's, the barn was closed up tight. I got his home address from a telephone book in a store nearby and walked back to the barn. By the time I got to my car, Walker was just driving up. Walker? Yeah? I thought I told you to stick around. Where you been? Well, uh, no place, Ranger. I uh, had to make a delivery. In your car? Not much room there to haul feed. Oh, it's just a sack of oats, that's all. I want you to come down to the patrol office with me. What, what for? To get your statement about the fellow who gave you those checks. Oh, well, what about the barn? I mean, you know if any customers come. They'll have to wait a while. You know where the highway patrol office is? Yeah. You can take your car. I'll follow you. At the station, Walker's story began to change slightly. His statement said that the man who cashed the checks was about five feet, ten inches tall. Earlier, he'd told us that the man was over six feet. It was 12 noon when the stenographer completed typing the statement, and I took it into Walker to sign. Here's the statement, Mr. Walker. You sure you don't want to make any changes before you sign it? No. No, I, I, I've been telling you the truth, Ranger. Uh-huh. Oh, one more thing. Before you sign it, I want to show you some pictures. Pictures? Yeah. Look at them carefully, Mr. Walker. Here are pictures of three men. Was one of these the man who cashed the checks? No. No, it wasn't any of these fellas. How about this one? Could he be the man? Uh, no, no, no. The fellow who cashed the checks was an altogether different kind of man. This, this, this ain't him. Mr. Walker, this man's already been identified by one person as the man who killed John Elwood and his wife. What'd you say, Ranger? Elwood was the man the checks belonged to. He was killed last night. Killed? First stealing, now killing. You didn't say nothing before about a murder. Two murders. This man, Bradley, killed two people and wounded a 12-year-old boy. He stole two cars that we know of. Well, I... I didn't know about all them things. Uh-huh. What about the picture? Is this the man who cashed the checks? No. No, that ain't him. I'm sure it ain't. All right, Mr. Walker. Sign the statement. Walker was afraid. He couldn't miss it. But I didn't know what was bothering him or why. After he signed the statement, I let him go. A few minutes later, the sheriff came into the office. He had a newspaper in his hand. Jake, is that Walker I just saw pulling away? Yes, yeah, Sheriff. He signed a statement, so I let him go. Well, we'd better get him right back again. Take a look at this newspaper. Burton Herald. What about it? But did Walker identify the picture of Bradley? No. Well, take a look at that item I marked. It'll tell you why he didn't. Mrs. Nancy Walker, wife of Al Walker, proprietor of Walker Sales Barn, is in Fort Worth visiting her sister. Mrs. Walker is the former Nancy Bradley. Get it, Jace? I checked around as soon as I got a load of this item, and it fits. Mrs. Walker has a brother named Sam Bradley. Walker's his brother-in-law. We raced out to Walker's sales farm, but it was still closed, so we headed out toward his home located in a farm section west of town. 
Half a mile from there, we spotted Walker's car turning into the driveway and saw him rush into the house. We parked a short distance away and covered the rest of the ground on foot, approaching the house from the rear. Let's move up to that open window, Sheriff. Right, Chase. You went fool. Nothing in the house to eat. Sam, you fool. Where you been? I've been looking all over for you. I took a bus over to Hazelwood. Bought me a new suit. What's bothering you, huh? You're all right. Yeah, well, I don't care. You can take the money, but you just got to get right out of here as fast as you can. You now, wait a minute. What do you mean, spending your money? I thought you told me you got them checks from a friend of yours. Why, sure. What about it? You and your stories. It's just like I told you, huh? We were playing cards last night, and the place was raided. This fellow was afraid if he showed himself, he'd get caught. That's why he asked me to cast the checks. I knew you wouldn't mind. So that's it. Sam, don't you lie to me. You didn't have no friend. You signed them checks. They were stolen. Stolen? I know all about it. I lied for you at first because you told me you and your friend Elwood was ducking a gambling raid. Then I find you stole the checks. Now I find there's a couple of killings besides, and I'm mixed up in it. Now you get out of here. Look who you've been talking to. There's been a ranger out asking questions. That's who. Did you tell him anything? Not yet. But if I didn't have to lie to save my own hide, I'd have turned you in, brother-in-law or no brother-in-law. All right, you Sheriff. Cover me no, through this yet. window. I'm going in. Get out of here right, right away. Watch I'll tell you all I would. I'll leave tonight when it's dark. You get out of here right now. I'm not getting myself hung for you. But you know I can't go. All right, Bradley. Don't move. Sam, it's a ranger. Well, you turn it over. Stand behind the Drop that gun, Bradley. <laughs> Throw your gun over here. All right. All right. Okay, Jace? Yeah, I'm okay, Sheriff. Ranger, it ain't my fault. I swear I didn't know nothing about the killing. I swear I didn't. Save it, Walker. The jury will want to know why you didn't tell us where he was. Come on, get up, Bradley. <laughs> Better have some of that $400 left for a good lawyer. You'll need one. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Results of the case you have just heard. For harboring a fugitive from justice, Al Walker received a five-year suspended sentence. Sam Bradley was identified by Robert Elwood as the man who shot and killed John and Ethel Elwood. Ballistics confirmed that Bradley's gun was the murder weapon. He was convicted of murder in the first degree. And on August 4th, 1942, was electrocuted at Huntsville Penitentiary. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.